Crime Salad listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Crime Salad. We're your host, Ashley. And I'm Ricky. Hey. Hello. How are you doing, Ricky? I'm doing well. Good. I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been about three minutes. <laughs> Saw you at the water cooler. So before we jump into this week's episode, we have two lovely patrons that we'd love to shout out. Man and Jessica. What, who? Amanda and Jessica. Amanda and Jessica, thank you guys so much for your support. We really appreciate it. And Amanda and Jessica are getting ad-free episodes. On a beach. Yep. So, Ricky, how many times have you been at, like, an event or even a restaurant and there's been people there and you're walking by people and have you ever thought to yourself, what if, what if this guy's a killer? What if that person's a killer? What if this guy has people in his basement? Have you ever thought that? Not too much. I, I That's right. something that you do. I know. <laughs> well, I used to be a cashier, like my first job at a restaurant, and there would be like a line of people staring at me. And I was thinking to myself. At the buffet. At, it was a buffet. Yeah. It was like, you know, $10 a person. It's a good price for steak. No, they didn't have steak. You know, like the typical. No, they, they did. They did. They had steak there. Yeah. Well, not. Or no, wait. You had to order that separate, I think. Yeah. Not the buffet. Listen. Okay. So. I would think to myself, you know, there's a line of people, and I would seriously be thinking to myself, like, has this guy ever killed anybody? Like, how do I know? How do we know? Has this, like, what if this person has, like, people in their basement? And I was, like, 15 years old thinking these things. That's kind of weird. You still do this? I, I still do. I mean, you can't trust people. Like, you really can't. Even this story that we're going to talk about today seriously goes to show you really can't trust people. And the story is extremely heartbreaking that we're going to talk about today, just like all of our stories. But this one deals with an innocent woman, a mom of three kids. And she decides to get back into the dating scene when evil finds her. So get ready. So this week, we will get into the gruesome case of the murder and dismemberment of wife, mother, friend, and nurse, Ingrid Line. Friends of Ingrid have stated several times that they want to remind anyone learning about her case to make sure to get as much information as possible when entering into a new relationship with someone, especially when meeting that special someone over the internet and on dating apps. You really can't trust anyone, even if they seem to be normal, because evil can be in anyone. This episode will contain gruesome details, so listener's discretion is advised. Okay, so picture this. You arrive at a baseball game with friends, family, or a significant other to watch your favorite team compete and hopefully win. You might look around and see other couples and assume they are perfectly happy and in love with one another. Or you may even think to yourself, oh yeah, that couple's new. Well, this story is about this new couple, John Charlton and Ingrid Line, who attended the Seattle Mariners game against the Oakland Athletics on April 8, 2016. Maybe you walked past them heading to your seat or sat nearby. It wouldn't even cross your mind to think that this guy was capable of murder. He's a confident-looking man out on a date with his girlfriend. The problem is, things aren't always as they seem. On the outside, John Charlton appeared to be funny, smart, and downright delightful by his friends. But his attractive, charming outer demeanor was masking a very dark, evil truth 
He had an urge to kill, a disturbance inside that no one could understand. He brutally murdered his girlfriend on that night, an innocent woman, a mother of three kids. Although he had his moments of violence and disturbed actions towards his exes and parents, no one thought he could ever be a stone-cold killer. Ingrid Line, born in Tucson, Arizona, who was described as smart and funny, was a wonderful mother to three children. She loved her children more than anything. She was very close with her family and is greatly missed by everyone around her. Ingrid worked as a nurse at the Swedish Medical Center and was beloved by her coworkers. Her friends noted that she would date on and off, though her priority was with her children. Ingrid even had a great co-parenting relationship with her ex-husband, Phil Line. I couldn't find anyone who seemed to have a problem with this woman. She seemed like the type of person anyone would want to be friends with. Loved deeply by her friends and family, they knew she was dating John for a few weeks, but no one had any information on this guy. The relationship was so new. It was a Saturday morning when Ingrid's ex-husband, Phil, arrived to drop off their children. He was concerned right away when Ingrid wasn't home. Phil knew Ingrid was a responsible mother. This wasn't like her. She never would have made plans the day she was supposed to take care of her children. Phil also knew she hadn't picked up a shift at the Swedish Medical Center, so she wasn't at work. It was completely out of character. Why was her Toyota Highlander missing from her driveway? He called Ingrid's cell phone several times, but the calls were left unanswered. Feeling something wasn't right, he ended up calling her mother, Georgia Bass, to ask if there was a spare key for Ingrid's house. Georgia met Phil at Ingrid's house, and they entered into the house together. Inside, they found her purse, ID, and her cell phone. You know, typical things you would bring along with you if you left your home. But her car wasn't in the driveway. This is when Georgia called the police and she was reported missing to local authorities. It seemed like the only people who knew somewhat vaguely that Ingrid was seeing someone were her neighbors. Neither her ex-husband or her mother had any idea who John Charlton was. Ingrid's friends knew she had gone on a date that Friday night. Concerned for Ingrid's safety after finding out she had gone missing, one of her friends took to Facebook, sending out group messages to anyone who might have information on Ingrid's whereabouts. Now, it's difficult to imagine the kind of person John is. He claimed to authorities that he was not a normal person. Despite his ability to positively influence others around him into trusting him, he had a charm for sure. Ingrid met John Charlton on an online dating website, and the two had been dating for almost a month. On April 8th, after heading home from a Mariners game, both Ingrid and her SUV went missing. And it's obvious, this man is suspicious right off the bat. But who was this man? Like we said, the people around her, like her neighbors, knew she had been dating John, but they had hardly any other details about this man. No one did. It's pretty much just that, that she was dating this guy. But really, it's totally understandable. A relationship so new? How do you know he's the one? Is this really someone you want to meet your mom, your kids? I mean, these kind of things take time. When confronted by the authorities, John Charlton confirmed that he was on a date with Ingrid and that she returned safely to her home. But John was so drunk that night, he couldn't recall anything else that had happened. 
Luckily for him, an ex claimed John had been sleeping at her place all weekend, giving John a pretty clear alibi. But John's luck would soon run out. And don't worry, we will circle back to this as we get further into the story. Hey guys, we're taking a quick break here to tell you about Lumino. Dental visits in the past have been expensive and painful. I had no idea I was doing it all wrong. My teeth were constantly sensitive from whitening treatments. And here's something I didn't know. 98% of oral bacteria are good for you. They're actually essential for your oral health. Turns out the fact that all bacteria are bad is just a myth, and Lumino is busting it wide open. Lumino products make you feel healthier, safer, and happier about your smile. My old dental products were very harsh tasting, filled with ingredients and chemicals that I can't pronounce. I felt like whatever I was putting on my teeth to get a brighter smile was eating away at my precious enamel. Well, let me tell you, no chemicals here, folks. Lumino makes toothpaste, mouthwash, and whitening that are a totally new and different approach for improving your oral health. They use purposeful and uncompromising ingredients like sea salt, aloe, and coconut oils to clean and brighten your smile. Plus, everything they make is certified non-toxic. You won't find harsh chemicals or bleaches in any of Lumino's products. Everything is dentist-formulated, backed by over 50 studies, and proven to protect the good bacteria, also known as the microbiome. And you'll love Lumino's whitening. It only takes 30 minutes to apply and brightens your smile with no sensitivity. Find Lumino on Amazon.com and get $7 off today. That's L-U-M-I-N-E-U-X. Remember, it's spelled with an X, so you can X out the harm. Lumino, dedicated to illuminating better ideas in oral care. So imagine you're taking in your recycling bins from that morning. Assuming your paper and plastic goods have been picked up and deposited appropriately. What would you do if your recycling bins were not only heavy, but full of plastic bags you've never seen before? This is exactly what happened to Mike Noveso when he found human remains in his recycling bin. My name is Mike Noveso, and I found human remains in my recycling bin. It was just three bags in the bottom of that bin that were incredibly heavy and weren't supposed to be there. Mike, from the Central District of Seattle, was minding his own business and fetching his garbage cans when he realized something was wrong. The cans, meant to have been emptied, were now heavy. And upon further inspection, Mike found three bags in the bottom of the bin. I grabbed the first bag and it was so almost professionally packaged that it was very eerie. And you could see as I pulled it up what was the outline of a face. Moments later, he was dialing 911. What are you reporting? This is going to sound really bizarre, but I went to go grab my recycling bin and there were three white trash bags in the recycling bin and I went to lift them out. And honestly, it's freaking me out, but it looks like it's a a foot. Quickly, a flood of officers arrived on the scene, coating the area in crime scene tape. The bags were full of human remains, a head, a foot, and an arm, all belonging to Ingrid. Because of how little time had passed, 
the body hadn't yet started decomposing. Over the course of the next few days, several more remains were found. To this day, not all of Ingrid's remains have been located, despite thorough search. Now desperate for answers, the police obtained a warrant to search Ingrid's home. The space appeared to be spotless, aside from an enormous pruning saw in Ingrid's bathroom. But that wasn't all. It turns out John had spread Ingrid's corpse around town. More of her remains were found in a cooler in a recycling center on 20th Avenue, located between East Union and Marion Streets, as well as South Hanford Street. Investigators also found the plastic bags in which Ingrid's remains were found were a perfect match to the garbage bags located inside of her home. John had several charges against him across six states. Estranged from his parents, it turns out that they took a restraining order against him after a night of drinking, which resulted in John verbally threatening his family. It turns out John had a big problem with abusing both drugs, mainly crack cocaine, and alcohol. And during this heated argument, it was reported that John grabbed a movie off the shelf, Hannibal of all films, and waved it in his parents' face, giving them a dark warning telling his mother to watch it and beware. Also telling them that life was putting too much pressure on him and he felt he was becoming mentally unstable. Even though John's parents eventually dropped the restraining order, they remained afraid of their son. And I think that speaks volumes for the type of person John was. Heather Danishevsky dated John for six months. This was around the same time that he had been seeing Ingrid. Heather thought John was handsome and endearing at first, but things quickly took a turn for the worse as the relationship went on. John and Heather dated right after one of his many arrests put him out on probation for theft. And that hunk of a man that she initially had feelings for turned out to be a cruel and violent drunk. Heather recalls that John, on one occasion, actually choked her, scaring her senseless, and after word got out about Ingrid's death, Heather realized she had been right all along and that John, he wasn't a good person. John was repeatedly emotionally abusive towards Heather, telling her that she was a horrible mother and constantly making her fear for her own life. John made her feel horrible about herself and quickly the couple broke up in the summer of 2013 and she hadn't heard anything about him until Ingrid's case hit the news in 2016. According to Heather, she suspects Ingrid might have said or done something to John, and without realizing it, set him off. But this time, the woman John was abusing didn't survive his drunken abuse. Was it a monster without a home? I'm not a person. I'm on the streets. Hey guys, we're taking a quick break here to tell you about our sponsor, Audible. Listen to the new Audible original Finding Tamika. From Kevin Hart and Charlemagne the God's SBH Productions comes a neo-noir true crime drama. Uncover the life, disappearance, and legacy of Tamika Hudson, a 24-year-old black woman from Spartansburg, South Carolina, who went missing in 2004. Find out how Tamika's case became a rallying cry for other missing black girls and women in America. Learn how it led to a growing demand to expose a system that ignores missing women and girls of color. 
Hear actress, producer, and activist Erica Alexander summon a new generation to help raise the dead, expose a hidden past, and give a dark warning for our future. A black girl does not have to go missing for us not to see her. Visit audible.com slash Tamika on Audible and listen now. Hashtag Finding Tamika. So John claims that he was hammered drunk after the Mariners game. He told investigators Ingrid drove him home and that he had no memory of the rest of the evening. During interrogation, John showed no remorse or emotion. He remained calm yet annoyed while police riled him. Now John's rap sheet includes charges in Washington, Florida, Utah, Idaho, California, and Montana. His criminal record includes counts for aggravated robbery, felony, theft, grand theft involving a motor vehicle, assault, and third-degree larceny. He was also arrested not once but several times for battery. Now, when asked about the scrapes on his body, John claimed he received them from an ex-girlfriend who had gone missing. It's clear that Ingrid tried to fight John off as he had a deep abrasion on his forehead as well. Ultimately, John overpowered her and continued to carry on with his gruesome mission. The following Monday, the connection was made that the discovered body parts were related to Ingrid's disappearance. The investigation continued in Ingrid's house and didn't stop with the inspection of her garbage bags and personal belongings. Investigators also dismantled the drain system in the bathroom, finding none other than blood and human flesh stuck inside of the drain of the tub. The tub itself had been scrubbed clean. Seeing as the pruning saw was left on the bathroom counter, investigators had reason to believe the bathroom was also a crime scene. And they were right. Perhaps one of the more disturbing aspects of this case was John's ability to lie to others, convincing them of whatever he wanted them to believe. As Ingrid's mother was frantically trying to find her daughter, she decided to check Ingrid's cell phone records, being that her and Ingrid shared a cell phone plan. She came across a number that Ingrid seemed to have called and texted frequently and found that it was John's. Georgia sent a text asking what he knew. He texted her back attempting to convince her that he had no idea what was going on, saying, I thought she was with her kids today. Georgia then asked him when he saw Ingrid last and explained that she is not home, her belongings were left behind, and that she has called 911. He then questioned 911, what's going on? Trying to throw off any suspicion, explaining that they went to the game last night, but they didn't stay together because she would have her kids today. And then he said, not sure what she has told you about me and our relationship. Georgia desperately texted him back, asking for any help. She said, quote, Please, John, did Ingrid say anything about someone coming to see her after you separated from her last night? We can't find her or her car. As I said, her phone and ID and purse are at her house, but she and her car are gone without a trace. Any help would be appreciated. We are desperate. She would never just go off and leave her family, end quote. Georgia sending text after text, hoping maybe he knew something, saw something, anything. But John went silent. His ex-girlfriend told police that he was supposed to stay at her place on Saturday. But he showed up late at the bus station around 10.30 p.m. after texting her, something came up. 
His ex-girlfriend noticed John had a swollen lip and scratches across his face, chest, and hands. And when asked what happened, he claimed he had been attacked and robbed by a stranger. But what's strange is that John still had his wallet. But we know Ingrid was fighting for her life against this monster. This ex whose name was never mentioned alleged to police that John was a mean drunk, but added that he was never physically abusive towards her. This guy was staying at her place two days a week, and if he wasn't staying at her place, he was staying at a shelter. But what stopped him from hurting her? This same ex received a text from John's sister letting her know that officers wanted to talk to him, and he knew exactly what it was about. He told her that it had to do with a woman he was dating that disappeared. John pleaded guilty in court, which changed from his initial plea of not guilty to the murder and dismemberment of Ingrid. He was sentenced to 28 years in prison. When he first appeared in court, prosecutors had no reasonable cause to link him to the murder, at least not yet. There was a lack of evidence, and yet John's plea changed from not guilty to pleading guilty. Here we find out that not only was Ingrid brutally murdered in her own bathroom, but she was also strangled. And if we look back at John's ex-girlfriend, Heather, she mentioned in an interview with Dr. Phil that he would choke her while they were dating during their six months of them being together. Was this a sign that he had this evil urge to strangle someone? An urge that was hiding inside of him for a while now, but sadly made Ingrid the victim of his evil fantasy. John recalls possibly having sex with Ingrid and that she was acting strange. And I'm curious to know what he means by acting strange. Now, even though he was found guilty, John still claims that he has no recollection of that night. The police said John seemed rather nonchalant during his initial interview and continued to express irritation at being associated with Ingrid's disappearance. An article in True Crime Daily details the interview with police who claim that John, quote, expressed annoyance that he was asked questions about him when the ostensible purpose of the interview was Ingrid's disappearance. He claimed that he failed to contact police about the disappearance because he had been concerned or offended by text he had received from her friends and family, end quote. He is currently serving a 28-year sentence, which is the maximum number of years the judge was able to give him. However, the judge, Julie Spector, claims she would have given John a life sentence if only she could. She called John vicious and cruel. When facing the court, John apologized for his atrocity, though it's clear he truly has not felt the weight of his actions. Looking back at John's previous aggressions and criminal records, he became overwhelmed by life, leading him to mental instability and heavy drinking. His motive for the murder has never been explained to the public. Ingrid's friend, Nancy, states that Ingrid was a wonderful and caring person. She described her devastation regarding the murder of her close friend. Ingrid wasn't just murdered. Her body was brutally violated and discarded like she was nothing. She fought to live and you forced her to die. You smothered her laugh, you crushed her smile. And you left us with the nightmare of the unimaginable. 
When asked about John, Nancy didn't see any red flags. He was the type of person to act like everything was fine, and he carried himself with a confidence that tricked everyone around him into trusting him. Ingrid's friends, Nancy and Krissa, want Ingrid's death to be a warning to other women. They warn everyone dating to not go out without alerting friends and family whom you might be going out with. They also suggest taking photos of said date and to routinely check in with friends about whereabouts in the hopes that this may prevent future atrocities from taking place. And her ex-husband, Phil, he had the hardest job of all, telling his own daughters that their mother had been murdered. It is impossible to imagine the grief sustained by the family. Currently, there is an active GoFundMe page that was first established in 2016 to gather support for Ingrid's three daughters. Before John's sentencing, his bail was initially set at $2 million before being raised to $5 million. John's mother claimed that John would likely try to leave the state after his release, hence the request to up the amount of his bail. Seattle's Swedish Medical Center, where Ingrid used to work as a nurse, issued a statement regarding Ingrid and the GoFundMe for her family. Quote, The news of Ingrid Lyons' death has been incredibly tragic and shocking for all of us. Our hearts are heavy as this news brings a feeling of profound loss for the Swedish family and all who knew and loved Ingrid. We are doing all that we can to ensure that her colleagues receive the support that they need right now as we collectively grieve. Our continued thoughts and prayers are with Ingrid's family and friends during this time. If you would like to support the Ingrid family, we have confirmed that their preference is that donations be made to this account. GoFundMe.com slash Ingrid Line. Her name is spelled I-N-G-R-I-D-L-Y-N-E. All of the money donated will go to a trust fund that has been established for her girls, end quote. At the time of Ingrid's death, her daughters were ages 7, 10, and 12. Their community has come together to support their family, both by donating to the GoFundMe page that leads to a trust fund for Ingrid's daughters and by taking care of Ingrid's surviving family members. The death of Ingrid is a horrifying blight, the weight which will never be fully erased. John's actions are not only inexcusable, but they're irreversible. We hope that Ingrid's family and friends stay strong as they navigate life without Ingrid physically being in their lives. And remember the words spoken by her friend, Nancy. You killed her physical body, not her energy, her soul, or her light. Ingrid is here represented by those who love her. Although their lives have been changed tragically, there is no doubt that Ingrid's daughters are growing up to be strong, confident young women who will live on in their mother's legacy. This completes this week's episode. We will see you next week. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect.